Hi, this is Peter Schwartz, public address announcer for the Cosmos, and you're listening to the First Team Podcast. With your host, John Frashante. Cosmos Country, welcome back. On this week's episode, we're going to review the Cosmos 1-0 victory over Minnesota United FC. Crazy match. Jimmy Mauer was the man of the match. We will go in-depth talking about that one. We will move on and preview a very important match at home against FC Edmonton. We have our buddies from up north, the loyal company of the River Valley Podcast, the FC Edmonton supporter podcast, join us to talk a bit more about our upcoming opponents. Then we have another special guest, someone that you've never heard on the show yet, Tony Seller, a media consultant, who joins the show to talk more about the future of Rayo OKC. Everyone's wondering what's going on with Rayo OKC, and we get some news about the future. And we have a great discussion about Ray OKC. I really want to see them stay around for the long haul. Then we talk later on in the show about uh, some recent news reported by Big Apple of Soccer, Michael Lewis, that the Cosmos can't play their championship final match. If the Cosmos are to host it, they can't play at Hofstra University. So we will talk about that so much more in depth. And we have a listener question as well which is if the Cosmos do host the championship final, would you rather the team to rent a stadium no matter where it is in the five boroughs or do you want them to make the other team host the championship final? So we will read off your opinions later on in the show. So let's get talking about the Cosmos 1-0 victory. It was a great match and we previewed that it was going to be a tight match. We lost 1-0 at Minnesota, a tight match. Christian Ramirez, a great striker, one of the best strikers in the league, put one in the back of the net against us. But this time around, the Cosmos got the better half of Minnesota United. You could argue that they're not really worrying about the season because they're going to MLS, but put, put that to the side. And the Cosmos played a great match, David Diosa. With a great, great goal in the first half. Ruben Bover spots Diego Deosa open on the left wing. And he just puts the ball over everyone's head. And Diego Deosa just kicks it right into side netting. Goalkeeper had no chance of saving that one. Just caught the goalkeeper off guard. And that's what you need to do. Ever since they got that goal, I've never seen the Cosmos defend a match so hard like that. The defense was just not even there. 
Jimmy Maurer was the defense. He is the reason why the Cosmos got the three points against Minnesota United FC. In those matches, I really want to see the defense play better, stick together, and defend well, and not really depend on Jimmy Maurer for the full 90 minutes, but that's what we had to do. And we really do have a great goalkeeper, so that's why Jimmy Maurer was the man of the match. Great performance, and that's why we're still in first place. And at the weekend, we're playing FC Edmonton. With Wednesday night's result, FC Edmonton and Ray OKC drew 0-0. Another match on Wednesday night was Miami against Carolina, and Miami won that match 1-0. Talking about the Ray OKC, Eddie's matchup, each team gets a point. Great for the New York Cosmos because instead of them being in second place, they move to third place in the fall season table with 25 points. They're tied on points. Miami FC jumps to second place with the victory. And Miami FC is looking really, really good. And I know we talk about them and we have Mitchell on talking about all the players that they bought. What does that mean for the future of their team? But it shows that they want to win this season. And you don't see that with any other team in this league. And, and that's really cool. It shows you how ambitious Miami are to lift that NASL title at the end of the season and how important that is for their club. We don't see that with the Cosmos because we're used to winning trophies. And I don't want that to come off uh, spoiled or just the wrong way because I know back in the day we won so many titles and we're just used to that. We're like the Yankees, that we should be winning every single year. That's just our history. That's how it really is. But some supporters at the moment don't feel that way, don't feel like we should be winning trophies just because they're a name, but because of how we play on the pitch. But once again, Miami FC is a quality side. I wouldn't be surprised And I know I said I would be, but just because of their result and how great they're playing, they have 25 points. So if they win at the weekend against Indy 11, which is going to be a tough task, they will have 28 points. And they will be another victory or more based on the Cosmos performance at the weekend of catching the New York Cosmos. That's their goal. Miami FC needs to win the fall season to make it to the championship. Or they can catch Minnesota United for the fourth seed in the championship, which probably won't happen because Minnesota United has 36 points, Miami FC has 32 points. They can win, have 35 points, but if Minnesota keeps on winning, then that is probably not possible. So for Miami FC fans, it's probably fall season or just get right in there and play the Cosmos. Again, if we stay in the fall season hunt, we may play Minnesota or Miami. So that should be a very interesting uh, semifinal match. We will get into the scenarios once we get closer towards the end of the season. But very exciting times, and this sets up a very important match against the New York Cosmos, or Cosmos against FC Edmonton. First against third, 25 points FC Edmonton. Against top of the table near Cosmos, Miami in the 11. Another exciting match. Second against fourth. Very exciting weekend. Maybe the most crucial 
weekend for those clubs that are trying to stay in the hunt or get back into the hunt, and that is Miami FC. Nevertheless, moving on, talking about the FC Edmonton Cosmos match, it's going to be a great match. It really is. Every match at home is great, and a great stat here is the Cosmos have 12 victories and one draw at home in 2016. The Cosmos, they are chasing a unbeaten home campaign, something the team has never done in the modern era. So that will be great history to witness this season. Imagine if the Cosmos and the supporters can witness some history being unbeaten at home and lifting a trophy at the end of the season. That's what I want to see for our Nero Cosmos. FC Edmonton, they always give the Cosmos trouble We saw the first time around, or two times around, that we played at Clark Stadium. They give us so much trouble, and it's because we play on the road. And we're not a great road team, but if you put this fixture in Hofstra, I think the Cosmos have a slight advantage. FC Edmonton quality side, they have a great goalkeeper, Matt Vrenokel, a quality team, and they know how to play against the New York Cosmos. Every team... And I've said this countless times. They want to come to Hofstra and show other teams in this league that they can beat the Cosmos. And they want to knock that record off of the Cosmos. They want to put that first loss on the board. They're going to do it if the Cosmos don't fix their back line. That's the problem that they had. Even Jimmy Maurer, post-match, said that on their upcoming opponent, FC Edmonton, he says that uh, he's trying to be sharp or the team's trying to be sharp on both ends of the pitch. We made mistakes like we always do. We have to look at those on film and try to get better. At least Jimmy Maurer is coming out and saying that we made mistakes. He knows the team made mistakes because he was the one saving the team. He was our hero. He was our man of the match. That's how important Jimmy Maurer was for us against Minnesota United. He is a very important player on the team. I really think that other players, the back line, etc., have to work harder, have to help Jimmy Maurer out. Because if things would have went wrong, there were some chances. Lance Lang hitting the, the crossbar. Christian Ramirez having so many chances. So uh, Minnesota United could have equalized or took the lead, but Jimmy Maurer was there. And that's why when we play FC Edmonton, we need our back line to be a very strong force. Carlos Mendez was playing okay. Ayose was a quality defender, but I would love to see David Oching get a start right next to Carlos Mendez. So let's try to see that pairing. Let's try to see Carlos Mendez and David Oching uh, with Jimmy Mulligan. And Iose. That would be a very nice back line against FC Edmonton. Now we're going to go to our chat with Adam from the Loyal Company podcast. So they really need to be focused at the task at hand because, uh, you know, like like I alluded to, those, those um, games against Ottawa and Miami, they show when the team lacks it, and uh, you know it, it, it can spell a lot of danger for this team. And uh, lastly, just throw out your score prediction. I know a lot of people don't get it right. It's really hard to do, but uh, yeah. So I know you're not feeling confident, but you always want to see your your team win. So 
Yeah, yeah, I know. I always want to see the team win, but I think in this situation, a draw is great because it prevents uh, the Cosmos from uh, getting further out of reach for Edmonton for this fall season title. Or with a Radio OKC victory tonight, right? You're to be yeah, further yeah, we'll, away. We'll see so. what happens. Yeah. yeah. But first place versus second place, uh, it's set to be a very exciting match at the weekend. I can't wait for it. I know you guys are a bit nervous. Anything can happen. Ray OKC came to Hofstra and they stunned us with that goal and we came back and just got a draw. So anything can happen. The Rowdy scored two goals and they made us struggle. So there's no reason why you guys can't do the same, right? Well, here's hoping. <laughs> yeah, but I'm the Cosmo supporter that wants to uh, not see that. So uh, thank you, Adam, for coming on the show. Hope to have you on real soon. Yeah, thanks Thanks again for having us. Always great to come on another uh, NASL pod. Thanks to Adam for coming on the show. I really appreciate it. Just to end our chat for the Eddies-Cosmos matchup at Hofstra Short Stadium, I'm going to predict a Cosmos 2 nothing victory. I'm being bold here. I'm being strong here. But I think the Cosmos could get this done. If we have the same performance... As last week, it wasn't the best performance, but we got to go. And if we can build on that and have a better performance, have a better back line, defend well, and attack better, finish our chances, I think we can put at least one or more than one in the back of the net. That's what we need to do against FC Edmonton. This is a very important match. First place versus second place. If we lose this match, number one, it would uh, just ruin our record at home this season. Number two, it would just give FC Edmonton a better chance of catching up to us in the fall season table and in the combined table as well. So we don't want to see that happen because we only have eight matches to go. Eight matches to go. That's not a lot of matches left to have some teams make a push or for the Cosmos to give up room, breathing room with other teams. That's why we need to win most of our matches that are remaining. At home, we have Miami FC. We have the Eddies at the weekend. We have the Strikers at home. So those are three important matches that we should be winning at home. Miami FC is going to give us trouble. Fort Lauderdale away was a boring, scoreless draw. I don't think it's going to be boring this time around because it's going to be a very important match for the Fort Lauderdale Strikers. Like I said, this Saturday, Eddie's, it's going to be a tough match because first against second, they're in the hunt for the championship. And Steven Salander came on the show the last time we faced uh, the Eddie's and he said he really feels that this group of players, FC Edmonton, feel like they can win the whole thing. That's a bold statement. But if you cover that team and you understand their mentality, you really think that can happen. There's no reason why any team in this league can't win the NASL title. It's just playing as a team and getting results. Miami FC is doing that after they bought... Quality players. They bought Michael Hood, Poku, Richie Ryan, uh, Farfan from the Cosmos. And they're making a push for the playoffs. 
or the championship. If they do make it to the championship, I'm going to be so surprised. I really am because in their first season, they're putting everything on their line in the first season. That really is a great thing as a club. It shows that they are very ambitious. Hopefully we get a better picture of who is going to make it into the top four, but we're probably going to know a bit more about that towards the end of the month and once we get into October and once those fixtures are played, that's when we're going to get a better picture of who is going to be in the championship for this year. But I can't wait for the semifinal matches and who's going to play, where are they going to be played at. It's going to be a very, very exciting uh, November. But moving on, let's talk about Rayo OKC. Tony Sellers, a media consultant, joined the show. And we talked about loads of things about the future of Rayo OKC. So uh, stay tuned for our chat with Tony Sellers. I really appreciate it. And I hope I can have Tony on the show later on in the season once we know a bit more about Rayo OKC or maybe when we have some inside information about what's going on. A special thanks to Tony. And here he is. I'm joined by Tony Sellers, the media consultant. How are you today, Tony? I'm doing great, John. Appreciate you having me on. My pleasure. Let's talk about Ray OKC. First, did you expect this to happen? Because I think a lot of people uh, saw the team being announced and they were like, why is there foreign investment? And it felt like it was okay because of the investment coming in and all that. And then this came that they got relegated. We all expected this to happen, but maybe not this season. Yeah, I, I think it's it's important to go back to, you know, a little bit in the in the formation and origination of the idea of having a team in Oklahoma City in the NASL. Uh, the group uh, that was originally involved, and, and I was a part of that, was ready actually about uh, a little over a year ago mm-hmm. to make the announcement that the NASL was coming as Oklahoma City FC with Tim Hankinson as the head coach. Wow. And about a week before that happened, uh, I mean, everything was in place. We had the uh, announcement video. We had the press release ready. And about a week beforehand, uh, it became apparent that uh, the funding wasn't there. The league hadn't approved the ownership. And so that was postponed. And the next development, that's when really the discussions began with Rio Viacano. And those went on for quite a while. There were some starts and stops with that uh, in getting it finalized, and that's why it took so long. I mean, it was it was three months before the start of the season, really, uh, before the announcement was made. And, and at that time, there was no staff, there was no team. Uh, you know, they hired a coach, Alan Marcina. But uh, given the fact you had three months to get started in the NASL. And, you know, they have very extensive requirements for their television uh, mm-hmm. broadcast. Each team is responsible for uh, a lot of technical things, uh, a lot of expense there. Uh, the situation with the stadium, which was already lined up uh, for the previous uh, try at the NASL, but then the determination there needed to be the field turf uh, added to it. So there were so many upfront expenses to try to think you could do that in three months and not, you know, be losing money or spend a lot of money. I think people were crazy if they thought you could just walk in there and make it happen. That being said, 
I think the the group that put the deal together when Rio Valcano came in, it wasn't the ideal situation, but that provided the seed money uh, to go with the local ownership and Sean Jones, you know, to get the team started. Was it a risk? Of course it was a risk. Um, and it was a head scratcher for people both nationally and internationally who follow soccer. Why is Rio Vallecano a mid middling team in La Liga mm-hmm. spending money in the U S their fans were mad about it. Um, the people here were saying, you know, Oh, is this another Shivas? You know, um, I think there was a lot of doubters, but I think had things been allowed to run their course with the original management team, uh, there would have been no doubt about the future of the team in the second, third year. It was a three-year plan all the way. They expect to lose money the first year, Mm -hmm. expect to lose money possibly the second year and be solvent by the third. The problem was Rio Vallecano got relegated. Their TV money immediately dries up. That extra funding, they have to cut place, uh, you know, spending. So that extra money's not there anymore. So it was almost sabotaged by the inability of their team to stay in the first level of the Liga. You talk about their previous management. The person that was there, he went to go uh, join the energy. So it just goes to show you if everything would have went to plan, there would have been no energy and there would have been Oklahoma City FC, if I'm correct, right? Well, even I'm even talking. I did not come uh, aboard until after Tim McLaughlin had moved on. Uh, you know, that's another story. Uh, even without him, uh, this could have been a successful uh, venture. Uh, I don't think Taft Stadium. It was a good temporary home, and the energy's doing okay there. But as you see, they're trying to build a stadium. <coughs> excuse me, downtown, in hopes of getting an MLS and. You know, that's a pipe dream. They're not on the MLS list right now. Yeah, it's impossible. It's going to take five years at best for them to purchase the land, build the stadium, and even be in a position to vie for uh, an MLS spot, which may or may not be the MLS may not may or may not be there. So, uh, but I'm just talking in the aftermath of what happened with Tim McLaughlin mm-hmm. and the league and them suing him and and you know making a settlement. Um, that you know this team had a chance I mean, it was obvious they were they put a good team together on the field they were drawing respectable crowds some of the better crowds in the league uh I, what i think it showed regardless of what side you take in all of what happened is that oklahoma city is a viable soccer market it could have supported both teams yeah um and that is the thing i think is a shame in this whole thing is that uh, it wasn't given the full chance to succeed uh, everybody was worried about, oh, you can't have two teams there. Or, oh, you can't play here. You know, what it shows was 10,000 people almost a week when they played at the same time were showing up for soccer, major league, you know, professional soccer in Oklahoma City. Yeah. When the team was announced, they called it the Soccer City. So, And we even saw it with the derby matchup between Ray OKC and the energy. It was a great crowd and a great atmosphere. So, yeah, there's no doubt that Rayo OKC put great players on the pitch. Uh, but let's get to the most important part. Do you see Rayo OKC potentially selling their shares and just moving on? Or is there going to be a future with Rayo OKC part of the ownership group? Yeah, I think that's up in the air right now. I think they're doing their best uh, 
to come in and finish this season, and then it'll be evaluated. Look, I haven't talked to uh, Albert uh, Gallegos, who came over from Spain, uh, as what I guess they would call a general manager here. They've given it, you know, a different title. Uh, you know, they're calling him the executive director and sporting director. Uh, they brought in Jorn Buckholz, who's a highly respected soccer guy. Haven't really visited with him as a general director. I think he's just trying to, you know, make some inroads locally and keep things going. But let's look at the attendance: fifteen hundred for the first home game, following the change in management. Nine hundred last week. There are some other factors at work there. <clears throat> it's football season. School is in. There's a lot of different things at play, but that is a dramatic drop-off from the four to 5,000 people that uh, had been attending the games throughout the spring season and the early part of the summer. So that's a concern uh, is if, if you can keep that going uh, through uh, the transition that's going on. I think the, the league, number one, wants it to, to work. Uh, they came in after the transition. They had personnel in here to make sure the first home game went smoothly. Uh, they've kind of left it now to uh, Jorn Buckholz, who, who came in from Austin and is trying to keep things going. Uh, but after this season, I mean, the league has to have a team in the central time zone. I think that's to, to maintain their Tier 2 status. They've got to do that. Now, is it going to be in Oklahoma City next year? Will it be in Austin? Will it be in Chicago? Where is it going to be? That's the question. They're losing Minnesota next year. So, uh, I think from a league standpoint, they I still let, think the prospect looms out there that the league will come in and take over management of the team, that Rio Viacano will bow out, and that the league will come in and take ownership of the team, much as they did in, in, and operate in Atlanta a couple of years ago. You talked that the team is just uh, dropping down in their attendance week to week. It's probably because, number one, you guys, or Radio OKC, doesn't have a lot of employees, right? And uh, this past week, it was a Sunday night match, so those really don't draw well. Yeah, and that's they have to basically move them to Sunday night for a couple of reasons. Number one, you have high school football there at Miller Stadium, so the the field turf has to be replaced. Mm-hmm. And they have struck a, a deal with the football team. Uh, they're going to be the ones to uh, put it to, down and take it up. Wow. And uh, they're going to make some money doing that for their local football program and then at the same time uh, take the manpower because it takes 20 or 30 or more people to get that done in an efficient manner. Yeah, it's just and placing each piece of grass, right? That. Or each piece of turf, right? Yeah, each piece of the turf. Uh, they, they're in large squares and they have to be assembled. It's kind of like a jigsaw puzzle <laughs> that they put together over the existing football field with all the lines. Uh, to make it regulation. So it's a very labor-intensive process. And on top of that, Friday uh, night, about 11 o'clock, there was a torrential storm when they were going to start putting the turf down. So that delayed them. They weren't able to do it really until Sunday, the day of the match. And so that's problematic. Um, Again, uh, I think, too, Rio Vallecano maybe was a little naive uh, in making this investment, they didn't understand why do you need to promote so much? Why do you need money to run commercials or promote or television? <clears throat> because that's all done for the league for them. And they're in a, in a place in Madrid. They're a neighborhood team with a great tradition, 100 years. 
Yeah. They open the gates. People show up, win or lose. And as we saw in the passion uh, of their fans, they feel personal ownership of the team. Well, you've got a brand new team in a new location. You've got to build the fan base. You have to have outreach programs. You have to reach a public. And you don't have a supporter team from day one, a supporter uh, group. So you've got to build that. There's so many things that have to be built. I think they were on the way to doing that. Uh, unfortunately, you know, the financial situation when they were relegated, that TV money dries up, the budget was already tight before Rio got relegated, Rio Vicano. It got extremely tight after that. We saw the exodus of most of the staff. Uh, two people remained. They've added a couple of people who were uh, part-time or interns to help, again, finish out the season uh, but it's just hard when you can't promote, you don't have the funds to do the normal things that you would do. Uh, we've seen some of the amenities disappear. You know, there were food trucks at the games. They're not there now. Uh, some other uh, things added value, things that aren't there now. So they're trying to figure out a way not to, you know, bleed money and at the same time keep operations. Now, the product on the field, they did struggle a little bit. Uh, for a couple of weeks, but look at the uh, the roster. I mean, you've got some some MLS veterans, some NASL veterans. You got quality international players on the team, and they're they're doing well. They could mm-hmm. be doing better, uh, but the quality, the product on the field hasn't suffered really, and that's a great credit to the players and and I think to Gerard Noose, who was uh, put in an unenviable situation, who had to come in here and take over the team as the coach and uh, keep them going. Yeah, the players, they said that they wanted to walk out as well right when Alan Marcina left. So uh, they stayed and they are playing incredible. They beat the Cosmos 3 nothing. Uh, that was when we went to uh, uh, Oklahoma. And then you guys came to the Cosmos and drew 1-1. Uh, let's move on and talk about, is there any local ownership that maybe once the league comes in and tries to find a new owner, is there anyone local that you would think would want to purchase and run uh, a local soccer team? Well, you know, Sean Jones is here, and Sean Jones is, is a very dedicated uh, soccer guy. He, he's he been a coach. He's been an official. He's helped organize amateur teams. He has three daughters who played NCAA or are playing division, NCAA Division One soccer. Uh, he's got soccer running through his veins. Uh, he's the minority owner. Uh, owns about 35% of the team. So he's in place. Now, what do you do with the rest of it? I don't think there's one, uh, obviously one person locally that can step in. There might be some small investors. I think if they need to uh, really expand that and say a regional uh, person with regional ties, maybe not from Oklahoma, but from Texas or, or surrounding area. And I think that's where they will aim is to try to find uh, ownership that will pledge to keep the team local and maybe revert back, uh, you know, if Rio OKC goes away, revert revert back to the Oklahoma City FC name, which was established. Uh, they still have the uh, women's team in the WPSL. Uh, uh, you know, they had a, a men's development team that they decided to drop last year, but you know, that could be reinstated. And I think there's a, there's a bright future uh, of, again, there's room for soccer here, you know, regardless of what you hear from the energy, when they played each other in the cup, uh, that crowd was uh, surprisingly 
probably 60-40, regardless of what you hear from energy fans. It was 60-40 uh, Rio fans, which I think surprised even the uh, management group at that time. They expected the energy people maybe to flood over there. So it was a competitive game, and I think if the result of that game uh, had been different, if uh, Rio had finished it out, I think if those teams played ten times, Rio would win eight times. But on that night, uh, they didn't complete the, the match and uh, allowed the energy to win, and that took some of the wind out of the sails. And I think uh, uh, that would have gotten some, some added respect, and then they would have gone on to the Cup and host, hosted Dallas FC. So... Um, you know that was unfortunate at that regard, but I think I think regional ownership is probably the best place to look right now. Can you sort of uh, explain more about the supporters of both teams? Because you see on Twitter that maybe one fan likes Ray OKC and just doesn't mind going over to go see a energy match. Are the fans a bit more like that's my team and I don't like that other team, or is it more friendly wise? No, I think the energy being here a couple of years, they've adopted kind of the minor league uh, attitude. They've embraced the team and they've built up, they've got a small but vocal uh, group, the grid that, uh, you know, supports them. And I think what you see in social media is a little skewered to what the reality is. But mm-hmm. uh, I, the overall energy fans, I don't think were necessarily all soccer fans. They were fans of, well, here's a new thing in Oklahoma City, and here's something we can do. And they appealed more to just the general young people looking for entertainment. I think when Rio came in, the fact that they're playing in UConn, the fact that they're aligned uh, with a team in the Liga, that they were aimed more at soccer fans. This is a higher level of soccer. Mm-hmm. Uh, we're going to bring international players in here. You're going to recognize some of these names. And they appealed more to the general soccer fans. So, uh, yeah, I think a, a Rio fan would go to energy game. I don't know that we've seen that so much the other way because I think the energy people, rather than seeing this as a boost to soccer in general, saw it as competition. And uh, so that was, you know, unfortunate there. But, you know, the people uh, that operate the energy, you know, I, I'm skeptical of their big plans to try to move the NMLS. This is a group that. Uh, has run two failed franchises. Uh, they ran a franchise that led to the disappearance of hockey here, which, which had been going strong prior to uh, changing the name to the Barons and moving up to the IHL and and basically killing the sport. And they'd previously uh, not done well with the AAA baseball franchise, and the Dodgers have now come in and turned that around. So I, I would be, uh, even though they've got money to spend, I would be kind of skeptical of, uh, their ability to build a major league franchise at this time. So I think it's important to have both teams here and uh, to eventually maybe combine that into one and, and have a shot for Oklahoma City to move up to another level. Energy FC, most likely they won't go to MLS maybe five to ten years from now, or maybe they just won't go to MLS at all. Can you see them potentially moving up to the NASL, or do you just want to see them just combine as one club and just be a strong force in whatever league they're playing in? Yeah, I mean, I don't know that the NASL is going to be here in five years. Yeah, it's just so I many unknowns. That, I think that, yeah, I think that United States soccer still has a lot of things to sort out uh, to figure out where its place in the world uh, in the sport is going to be. 
And I just think it's it's something that's still to be determined. I think that uh, I think it would be best, sure, eventually, if there was one major league team here. Is that on the radar for the major leagues for MLS right now? The answer is no. Oklahoma City's not on the list. So I think it's it would be important for you know both of these teams to thrive and survive, which I think they could have, and still can, uh, if there's the proper investment in the. Last thing here, Tony, I want to get your opinion on what do you think is going to happen uh, to Radio OKC at the end of the season? If you're just asking me, you know, at this particular time and looking at it, I would say that, you know, they'll finish out the season, that uh, Rio Vallecano will make uh, an arrangement with the NASL uh, to be relieved of their investment, and that the league will <clears throat> work with the minority ownership and Sean Jones to try to find uh, investment here uh, and uh, if it means possibly the team being inactive next year it might mean that but I think right now they'll try to find a different investor uh, to try to operate for next year I mean and that's just me I don't have any inside information on that it's mm-hmm. just the feeling that I get uh, from what's transpired so far and what looks like uh, is going to transpire the rest of the season. Sean Joan he's on board and he feels dedicated right to the project and he's a, a local owner. So he doesn't want to see that team just collapse and just leave. Right. right. And, so. and, and he, you know, he's got an investment in it too. It's not just Rio Vallecano. So he's got yeah. money on the line. Uh, can he can't afford to lose money obviously forever. So he's got to make sure that it's a wise investment and that's going to be a key to it, to finding support for his investment in the team and making sure that it's viable uh, moving forward. Yeah, I just hope the team stays around for 100 years, Tony. I hope the league stays around for that long. Uh, I'm hoping... Well, I tell you, it's, but... been an eye, it's, it's been an eye-opener for me. I've gotten to know the, the management uh, for the league. Uh, they're dedicated people. I've been impressed with the other uh, organizations around the NASL. Uh, they've got some quality, quality operations. And uh, I think it's so key that the league, you know, you can find their games on ESPN3. You can find them on One World. You can, you can watch the game no matter where you are. I'm sitting in my phone uh, somewhere out of state, and I can dial it up and I can see the game. I think that's important. And that gives the NASL, I think, a little more credibility yeah. uh, over the USL uh, YouTube feeds and things like that uh, that – gives it more the air of a big-time league. Now, can they back that up uh, with consistent organization on the field? That's that's the thing that uh, certainly I hope that that's going to continue and improve in the future. Talking about YouTube streams and uh, USL, One Real Sports has their own YouTube stream of everything they're showing. You can turn YouTube on when the Cosmos are playing, and you can tune into the Cosmos. <laughs> yeah, I've yeah. enjoyed listening to the... Uh, uh, road broadcasters. Uh, yeah. When I do that online, it's 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 interesting to see the different markets and how they handle their their broadcast because that's my background in, in television and uh, I've just been impressed uh, by the quality of of the production uh, for all the teams. And I'm looking forward to again tonight. I'll be uh, watching, I guess, on ESPN three as uh, uh, Rio OKC makes a trip to FC Edmonton and. Uh, the uh, Rio broadcast will also be on locally on uh, the local cable, Cox cable system. But uh, that's going to be uh, interesting tonight because uh, Edmonton, 
you know, still has designs on being in there in the playoffs. And uh, Ryan would like to go in there and uh, steal three points and get back up in the standings. And that's what Cosmo supporters want. They want to see Rio OKC win <laughs> so you guys can help us out a bit more because we play FC Edmonton at the weekend. So thanks, Tony, for coming on the show. I really appreciate it. Thanks for taking time out of your busy schedule and hope to have you on real soon. No problem, John. Uh, thanks for having me on. Thanks to Tony Seller for coming on the show. I really appreciate it. I really want to see Rio OKC stay around for the long haul. The NASL really need Rio OKC to be around for the future, however long the NASL are going to be around for. That's the question. That's what everyone's talking about. And it's even making me worried of how long the NASL is going to be around for. But each club has to be successful. Maybe Ray Vicano is not the right owners to lead the team and the club forward to be a successful organization. Maybe they need another group of people that have a different vision and are more local, that live in the United States. I really think that's what the NASL really needs. They need local owners that know the market and that know what it takes to be successful in that given area. And Rayo Vallecano doesn't know that. Tony said it on this show that Rayo Vallecano is used to being in Spain, them opening up the gates, the doors to their stadiums, and people come in, win or lose. At Rayo OKC, you don't get that. You don't get that in American sports unless you've been around for 100 years or more. You don't get that in U.S. soccer. So that's why with foreign ownership, maybe you need to teach those owners how you run a soccer club in this country if they really want to invest in U.S. soccer. In any given league, if it's USL, if it's MLS, maybe they should just pour the money into the club but not run day-to-day operations. Maybe get other people to do it, people that have done it at that level before. These are all questions that the NASL needs to answer. They need to keep Ray OKC around if it's not called Ray OKC anymore. Maybe it's called something else. I don't care what it's called. We need to keep Ray OKC around. We need to keep the strikers around. Their owners don't want to be on board no more. And they are looking to sell the team. What happens if they can't sell their team? What's going to happen there? Are they just going to walk out? Does the league have to finance that club for a season? Can they find local ownership for the strikers? If we lose strikers and Vicano, we're going to lose Minnesota United to MLS. The only team that's coming in is the Deltas. Only one expansion team. It's not good enough for this league. Chicago NASL was sort of rumored to come in, but they're not coming in 2017, maybe 2018, maybe even further down the line. The league has a lot of thinking to do, and I hope the best. I really do. I love the NASL. I love the New York Cosmos, but I never thought there would be this time. A lot of people always said, and these people were not NASL supporters. They did not like any club in the league. And they were just saying, the NASL is going to collapse. The NASL is going to collapse. It's going to collapse one day. And I never agreed with it because I never saw a way it was ever going to happen. If you get owners on board that share the same vision, then it's never going to collapse because if you're still pouring in the money 
and each owner is doing what they feel is right and they are successful in, in each market, then the league is never going to go under. But the problem is that each owner in every market is not being successful. Even our near cosmos are not being successful. We don't know where we're going to play next season. These are obvious questions that I personally feel that NASL fans of any single club, if you like any club and you are listening to this podcast, you need to ask these questions. How long is this league going to be around for if these things continue to happen and no one fixes them? What is Bill Peterson doing? Is he helping and working on trying to save Ray OKC? So this was my little rant about the NASL it was not scripted at all. It was just me and my opinions about what I feel the NASL has to do if they want to stay around for a long time. And uh, another thing, and a lot of people have been saying this, is that some people feel that, that they should market the league because that's just non-existent. MLS don't like MLS. I don't agree with them on various things. They do the right thing. They market their stars. And that's what the NASL has to do. There's money being thrown around from all these clubs. They're each throwing money into the league to stay in the league and things like that. The NASL should be using that in the right way. And the right way is to have different advertisements. Maybe in some type of soccer magazines or sports magazines. Maybe on radios, on uh, on TV commercials. We see it on being sports, but maybe have those commercials on different networks at different times of the day. Maybe during Premier League action, maybe during Serie A in Italy, and different sports leagues during MLS broadcasts. I don't know. I'm just brainstorming here, but just market the league. You can promote Juan Arango. You can get Venezuelan fans into the league. You can promote Joe Cole. You can get more English fans supporting the Rowdies. You can promote your stars in the league, other stars, Samaras, and get more Greek people supporting the league. That's what you need. Not just their nationality and their people supporting them and the team, but just people that have seen them play abroad and that know who they are. That's how you get people out to the stadium. I don't think the league is doing what they could do. And I know their their motto is that we're going to let each team do what they have to do. We're not going to get in their way. I understand that and I like that. But as the league, you have to sort of lead. You can't follow your teams doing different things. And the league is not leading the movement. They're doing okay. And I know the league is very young. But they need to market the players the star players that they have and market all their teams to the United States and to national and international audiences. That's what the league has to do if they want to stay around for a very, very long time. The last topic for this week's show, it was reported by Michael Lewis of Big Apple of Soccer. Go check him out. Go check out that site, a quality site. Talks about the Cosmos and other New York clubs. And he reported, and we have the direct quote from Eric Stover, he said that there is a limited availability at Short Stadium for the championship weekend. 
We have been working with the league on the best solution since the schedule was announced in January and hope to finalize plans in the coming weeks. So what Eric Slover is talking about is if the Cosmos make it to the championship final, which is looking likely that they can at least host a semifinal match. And if they win the fall and if they win and if they're in first place in the combined table, that means they're the highest seed. And if they win the semifinal, they have the right to host a match. It should be played at a short stadium. That's their home stadium. But Eric Stover has said that there is a limited availability at short stadium for the championship weekend. So the NASL puts out a date. This is when the championship final has to be played. And a lot of people have been saying, rent out different stadiums. My opinion and my theory, and I know it's not liked out there. I posted on Facebook. I posted on Twitter. Some people agreed with me. Some people just didn't. But that's what an opinion is all about. My opinion is the Cosmos have a lot of things on their mind as a club. A lot of things are going on behind the scenes that we don't know about. Number one is where they're going to play next season. That's the number one issue on their list of priorities. It should be number one, where are they going to play next season? Number two should be we have to fix the club and do everything before we get to that stadium. They need to fix everything behind the scenes that we will get to once they announce where the Cosmos are going to play next season. Just trying to find a place to play for the championship final is just too much right now. Because for me personally, I would be okay. I would be okay with the Cosmos telling the opponent that they will be playing in the final that they can host the championship final. And I know tons of listeners, tons of Cosmo supporters are going to hate me and give so much stick because they don't agree with that. But it's the best thing because the championship final should be the marquee match of the NASL season and of the year. Why should the Cosmos just put a show somewhere else, not at Short Stadium? Maybe... They rent out, for example, this is just me just throwing out a stadium, City Field or MetLife Stadium, just throwing like a random stadium out there. Why should they rent out that stadium? Why don't they throw that money to do other things that could help the future of the team? Let that other team host it. Let that other team make the most out of that championship match. At least the Cosmos are in the championship. And I would love to see the Cosmos play at a home for another championship match. I would really enjoy that. I love the first one. It was the best night ever. It was the best night watching a Cosmos match. Great atmosphere. The Ottawa Fury supporters brought a lot to it as well. uh, Because I remember something happened in France. Them holding the French flag, I believe, on like big cards, if you will just a great atmosphere and the Cosmos had a great team they had Raul Marco Senna and there was just a great vibe that night it was just something in the air really like stars is walking around we saw Nesta I saw uh, Rayo Vallecano's owner that owns Rayo KC he's not really liked anymore so I got to meet tons of people and it was a great night, and I really want to see that again. But I'm just thinking, 
for the long term of the club that I love. I'm not thinking short term. If I was thinking short term, I would say, yes, just rent out any stadium. But that's not what we need. As a club, we don't need to host a championship final match. Maybe we do because we need to get some revenue in. Maybe we want to sell more tickets and more merchandise and just make more money as a club on that last match day of the season. But there's a lot more things that are more important than trying to find a home for the championship final. I could be wrong. I could be not agreeing with a lot of people, but this is how I feel. Another aspect of it is, I think, the NASL. And I know Eric Silver said that they've been working with the league, and that's a great thing that the league is coming in and trying to help out. That's what they're there for. But I personally feel that the league... And they do control the championship final. They do run it because it's the league and they that's their baby, if you will. But I think they should work on planning the championship final as more of like a Super Bowl event. I'm not saying that I want to see a halftime show that has like Beyonce or Jay-Z or something like that. I'm not saying that. I'm saying that the league should put on a big show. They should put a big event on as a league-wide event. That's what they should do. They should not leave it up to a team. They shouldn't say, okay, the Cosmos, they beat, uh, for example, say last season they, they beat the Strikers and they got to host the championship final. But that was all up to the Cosmos. They were able to plan it. They were able to do different things at their own stadium But the NASL should sort of jump in and say, this is our event. We're going to pick where we're going to play. Maybe if you have your own stadium, we're going to play there. And we're going to just make it a big event because we're the league and this is our marquee event. That's what the league should do. It's their event. That's the only way that you're going to get more fans in the door. And that should be a great match for your first time seeing This league, a championship match, the two best teams in the league. And that's another way that the league can grow and could promote their brand and maybe can get more sponsors on board and can just grow the league. That's something that I hope the league does in the future because I think it would be really cool. And okay, maybe it takes away that club's right of sort of controlling what they want to do for the championship final. But maybe the league and that club can work together. They can play at that team's home. But maybe the league wants to control it and maybe put more money into this event more than maybe that club would uh, put into the championship final because I think it lacks something. I don't know. A championship match should be the biggest match ever and I don't feel we're seeing that at the moment But don't get me wrong, championship final 2015 was the best. We saw Fury near Cosmos. What a hell of a match. What a hell of an atmosphere. And I truly, truly enjoyed it. And I really want to see that again. But like I said earlier, I'm thinking for the long term of the near Cosmos and the league. And I would really like to see that uh, really in the future. So let's go to a question that we got from Will. He says, will the Cosmos be celebrating last year's championship Tweeted Eric Stover in April. He said something was being planned. Will, um, 
I don't know. I really don't know because they haven't put up a flag for last year's uh, championship, so it could be a bit late to celebrate it. Maybe if they win it again, I don't see why you can't celebrate it somehow. But I think it's a bit too late to start celebrating a title that you won last year. Uh, But moving on, let's go on Facebook. Like I said earlier, tweeted and put on Facebook a question. The question was, if the Cosmos make it to the championship final and host the match, should they rent out a stadium or ask the other team to host? David Fernandez says they should never give up home field, period. Rent out City Field, MCU Park, Belson, Bakerfield, just don't give up home field. I understand how the Cosmos are great at home and we have the home field advantage, but I don't think it's the right thing to do. We have a lot more things in my mind for sure, and in all the supporters, I really think they should think long and hard. What's more important? Is the championship final playing at home, is that important? Or is next season and the future more important than one championship match? Tweet us at one team pod with your thoughts, but that's just my opinion. I just want to take some time right now and talk about some things off the pitch surrounding our New York Cosmos, something that we forgot to talk about last week, and I want to go a little bit in depth. The New York Cosmos signed Andrea Mancini. Yeah, the son of Roberto Mancini, who used to coach Inter Milan, got fired a couple of weeks before the start of the season. Don't know what the reasoning was for that. But nevertheless, Cosmos signed his son, Andrea Mancini. I'm a fellow Italian. I'm really excited about this one. Uh, and I hope this pans out because I know I went out on Twitter and said that the Cosmos needed to sign someone. And I felt that we needed to sign someone sort of when the Cosmos got out of the Open Cup and after the spring season. I feel like those were two periods during the season when the Cosmos needed to sign someone, needed to sign an exciting player. No matter what position he played, he needed to bring some excitement to the team on the field Needed to bring some butts in the seats off the field. I'm not saying sign a massive name and overpay for that player. I'm saying spend your money wisely on that player, but make sure he provides for this team this season and hopefully for the future. And I think that's what they did here with Andrea Mancini. I know a lot of people don't like this signing and they say he's a waste. Why do people sign him? But the Cosmos are that type of club. The modern era New York Cosmos sign players that other teams don't want. Danny Satella, for an example. He got hurt. He had offers from all these top clubs. He had a knee injury, I believe. And his career was going down. He couldn't play anymore. He got surgery, and he came back to play with the Cosmos to get his career back on track. And look at him now. He's a quality player quality midfielder why can't Andrea Mancini come to the New York Cosmos and fix his career why can't Gio make him a star player on this team and maybe a big team down the line would want to buy him from the New York Cosmos don't get me wrong I think this is and I don't know for sure it's probably a short-term deal sort of like with the Nico Kronjar contract but this is probably until the end of the season and then maybe they can re-sign something later on. Hopefully that's the deal. Because I want to see what Andrea Mancini brings to this team. I'm the supporter that's hoping that he pans out. 
that Gio and the staff and the club can get something out of Andrea Mancini. With DC United, he only played one match, and that was a U.S. Open Cup match. He came on as a sub in the second half against the Fort Lauderdale Strikers. So he was not used to his full ability. He jumped around from a lot of teams. But like I said, I hope the Cosmos is the team that he can stay around for for years on years to come because he's a really young lad and I don't want to see him jump to five to ten more teams throughout the next couple of years. He's 24 years old. He has so much time to play in this sport and I want to see that being played with the New York Cosmos. Moving on to the last topic that I want to talk about before we close out the show, Carlos Mendez is going to have his 100th appearance with the New York Cosmos this weekend. If he gets to start, I'm hoping he does because I want to experience his 100th appearance at a home. There's no reason why he's not going to start. He's fit unless Gio says he needs a rest. But this is, like I said earlier, a key part in our season, a very crucial match. Why don't we have our captain and our first signing with the team? So congrats to Carlos Mendez for being that star player, for agreeing to join the project. It goes to show you the vision Gio had and how Carlos Mendez sort of responded to it because he saw the vision, and now he's here winning two titles and doing really well. I really think this is going to be Carlos Menez's last season. He's getting older, but reaching 100 appearances with the New York Cosmos is a great feat. He's going to go down in the history books and is going to be a club legend for being the first signing in the modern era, for being the first captain in the modern era. And we are going to remember Carlos Mendez's name for years to come, just like we remember Pelé and Beckenbauer. Maybe we won't compare those names, but hopefully one day they will be in the same book. That's all the time we have for today. I want to say thanks to everyone for tuning into this week's show. Special thanks to Adam from the Loyal Company of the River Valley Podcast. Follow us on Twitter at One Team Pod, Facebook at the First Team Podcast, Instagram at One Team Podcast, and especially this weekend on Match Day, you should add us on Snapchat as well at First Team Pod. We will plug that tweet that out numerous times leading up to the match on Saturday against FC Edmonton. Go on our blog. FirstTeamPod.com, we have our blog, of course, we have our shop, listen to our latest podcasts, and so much more. FIFA tournament at the weekend, so hopefully you guys do get involved in that. I will be participating. Also, This Is Cosmos Country is getting involved as well. That's pregame, 4 o'clock to 6 o'clock, and you can find all the information on Twitter, at NYCosmos, on their site at NewYorkCosmos or NYCosmos.com. Uh, thank you, everyone, for tuning in. My name is John Vashante, and as always, let's go New York Cosmos. Yeah, just want to give a shout-out to the five points. The Borough Boys, the Benadol Cosmos, and the Cross Island yeah. crew. Uh, yeah, it's New York, street and white. What we bleed, you see and fight. Indeed, it seems to be achieving. See, we do and did it right. Cosmo country loving, we above them, I'm just saying. All those lovely songs come and see it and I'm playing. The fact of it is, rap from the attacks, hash and bliss. Reacts, time we win. So fast, racking them in. Whether it's stacking the wing, on the back, stand through the mid, cutting the seams. It seems we see anything to be. We got a ball and a 
dream. Got a ball and a dream. We do. I'm new as true. Fancy crew. Down for you, no doubt they do. Surrounding you with bad views. Like shouting cues aloud to you without the dudes. Around my crews, I'll track the past, no excuse. Each session a lesson. It's not about perfection. The work's the test and F's connected like a method. Not breathless out the train and something's gotta be corrected. Rushing and acceleration at the start's the most suggested. Infected with greatness. Potential is spacious. Out the world, just face it. The work becomes contagious. Some may say we made it, but now we just begun. Sorry if you hate it because I can tell you that I'm far from done.